I think Trump is crapping himself as well because if he doesn't get re-elected, there is every chance he is going to prison mm-hmm. with yeah. the amount of tax he has not paid. <laughs> I th- was it not? Was it not millions of dollars? Uh, millions, millions of millions dollars. dollars. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, there is a very real threat of some kind of criminal action. I think. I think we'll see a wee bit of an Nixon. Um, not to pull a Watergate card on all of you, but um, it, it can only be a matter of time. This is this is a circus. We're watching a circus happen, and it's never ending, and it's getting a wee bit exhausting now. The thing that is quite depressing to watch is that um, you know that it doesn't it doesn't really look like the Democrats are doing enough to sort of sell their case on why you should vote for them, and if they were to get into office you know if environmental issues are you know what you care about the amount the amount the the amount that um you know the democrats could do globally to fight climate change is immense because they are the you know they're one of the biggest world powers and trump is actively hindering the cause at the moment because he is he is essentially a a climate change denier like mm-hmm. with the california wildfires and he visited he just said he just shrugged his shoulders and said it'll get cooler and that that's that's the policy of the man in in charge this, of this whole thing this is that it'll uh, just get cooler this is a this was a hot topic for kamala harris during the debate because she is from Cal- pun intended uh, she, she is uh from california and this is a real focal point for her that she talked about and she said it was ridiculous Trump's views on this and she condemned them. It just goes to the fact that the environment once again will become surprisingly a really big topic in America, mm. which for years it's sort of been in the background, it's sort of been you know, Trump has said, oh, it doesn't exist, it's rubber, it's China trying to, China is trying to control us, but it actually, it may turn into a big advantage for jobs due to people trying to vote for him, due to him saying that he won't ban fracking. Mm-hmm. It's, I think what it really boils down to, and what we're looking at, is, um, again, it's personality-first politics. Trump is not what we forget so often. He, I suppose he is now, but he wasn't a politician. This man does not care about anything that relates to politics. He cares about business. He cares about money. He cares about economy. And he thought that he could transfer that into being a global superpower. Um, and it it's so unusual for me to watch as people sort of lean into that lean into this mindset of of, you know everything so long as we are making money everything is fine um meanwhile the entire west coast of america is going through some of the worst wildfires they've ever seen um you have a, a pandemic ripping through the population killing literally hundreds of thousands of people um but so long as so long as we're still making money that's all cool that's excellent well mike Mike pence was asked in the debate they said to him um they were talking to him about climate change and they said, you know, the the scientists are telling us that the storms we have now are more powerful than ever before, the wildfires are stronger than ever before. 
It's like they're they're becoming more and more powerful. What's your response to that? And his response was basically they're they're no more frequent than they have been over the last hundred years. And it's like, well that that wasn't the question, you know. It was about the severity of them. And I was reading up on uh Trump's environmental policies and surprisingly there weren't very many. Um <laughs> but shock the, horror. A, a quote from the White House is that um, in 2019, the US had the largest absolute decline of energy-related carbon dioxide emissions of any country in the world. And Pence <laughs> has said that they've done better than um, countries that have signed the Paris Agreement since leaving the Paris Agreement. And that, you know, in classic Trump administration fashion, there wasn't any factual evidence to corroborate that um and on biden's website something that was really interesting was he said that he would he wouldn't just um recommit the u.s to the paris agreement but he would he would encourage um all the other nations to um sort of take their conservation work further and if any of them refused he's gonna this is on his website. He's going to use the the state's economic power as leverage. So he's basically going to threaten the world's leaders into doing more for climate change if he gets elected. I mean, it's not a bad threat to make, really, is it? No. Save the planet or there will be consequences. Oh, all right, then. Just to... Just to um, I would like to apologise preemptively because I can feel a rant building up um and it, it you know you mentioned trump and the you know the largest dip in carbon dioxide emissions mm. um, carbon monoxide emissions um that has been seen even with the paris agreement you know the nations in the paris agreement we have seen trump bend facts time and time and time again we have seen him clip graphs to show the slightest little dip to make himself look excellent. We've seen him take facts and figures from news sites that have no relevance whatsoever to anything. Um, we've seen him bend and break and twist and snap anything to fit his narrative. And as an outsider, as a European who you know isn't constantly met with the political campaign adverts, with the 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 influx of money and the you know the signs in the yard and whatever you see online it is just mind-blowing to me that so many people continue to vote for him and i cannot figure out whether it's because economically they they feel better off they trust him to do more with their money um to give them more money to lower their taxes to continue on the way that he's going on or if it is just blind faith it, I mean, it takes I, ten seconds of googling. I think, I, I you've got some really good points there. You can compare this exact scenario to the UK with Boris Johnson. Do people just vote for him on the basis of that mm. he's going to keep taxes low, or do they, or do they vote? I mean, <laughs> or do they vote for him because he's got like this sort of charismatic personality about him he's a it's, fun and wacky person <laughs> i mean every other day i go to facebook i go to instagram i go to twitter and there's always 
ridiculous videos of him and people think it's hilarious but what's not hilarious is when this person is the prime minister of your country mm-hmm. we've seen this in america now we've seen it here yeah and in uk and us politics um one thing that america is excellent at is forgetting that there's a world outside of america and i cannot blame them for that um it is it's difficult i suppose when you are surrounded like i say by that eternal circus um but in the uk we see almost the exact same thing go down like you mentioned boris johnson whether they're voting for him on policy on promises or on personality no matter what it's all terrible because the reality of it is we're coming out of this with <laughs> an economy that's 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 wrecked both america and the uk a workforce that has been ruptured in half and decimated and a lot of this is not directly the fault of boris johnson but the fault lies in his action and the action that he took and how quickly he took it and how reluctant he was to do it um as well as just being a gargantuan idiot (laughs) um outside of coronavirus you know pre-coronavirus the way that brexit was being handled it is i i just find it so bizarre to think that people continue to vote for these people when it is it's you know like i said they bend they twist they snap they break things to to fit their narrative because they know that it will appeal to you when the reality of it is there's no there's no intent to help the working class there's no intent to help people who are not millionaires these tax breaks don't help you you know these lowering it's really hard to see it's really hard to see any kind of um method to johnson's madness when you look at what he's been doing recently because i mean the country is in the midst of a pandemic and a massive recession and then that's only going to get worse in january when the full force of brexit he then yeah exactly he then tables this new bill and then they say to him oh you know we've we've just been reading through it and it looks like this bill breaks international law and he just (laughs) goes yeah and they're like right well, the e- the EU won't trade with us if we break international law, and he's just <laughs> sort of shrugging his shoulders, and he's like, "What well, you know? What's your point?" He's gone so, excellent. Like, he's just fantastic. He's just sort of he he's basically saying he's totally content with just alienating the EU, and then Scotland votes down the bill, and then he says, "You know, we're doing it anyway," and. <laughs> It's just sort of like you're you're really running out of friends here because you you say that you're all right with the UK leaving the EU without a deal and striking our own trade deals, but the sort of biggest world powers are not gonna trade with a country that goes back on promises that it made because how how can you trust them? How can you trust the Conservative government to? not go back on promises they made to you when they go back on promises they made to Brussels. I think I think Boris Johnson's main worry about this, going back to the US election, is that he has all the confidence in Trump of getting a trade deal through. But if Biden yeah. gets in, is Biden going to keep to the same trade deal that was going to happen with Bi- the knowledge? Won't. Yeah, exactly. With he, the knowledge of... Yeah, yeah. There's Bi- no Biden, way. He put a tweet out. He said... He said it was something like, um, "I I'm of the opinion that the U.S. 
should not trade with a country that breaks international law. So basically, if he was elected, the UK the UK would very likely lose a lot of, if not all, trade with the US. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and like just to just to slide it in there, uh, it's worth mentioning that Westminster completely ignoring Holyrood is not something new. Uh, no. Which is why we're pro-independence in this household. I am an impartial um, journalist. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, on, I'm on the fence still. <laughs> oh well, we can talk after the recording. I'll give. I'll, I'll turn. I'll talk. <laughs> <you>. <laughs> um, so speaking of Scotland, Alistair, our resident sportsman, what's been going on? We are one match away in football. We are one match away from reaching our first tournament. Our pause first for major, applause. Our first for major applause. tournament in 22 years. Wow. After, after we managed to beat Israel last night at Hamden in a really boring game that lasted <laughs> the full 90 minutes. And I then mean, the went fir- to the first shot on target was what seventy five minutes into the game. Something yep. Like what? That. <laughs> that was. Jesus. It was. It was a struggle. It was a struggle. And I mean, extra time and penalties. Our first ever penalty shootout. So Ooh. Scotland's football team in penalty shootouts, unbeaten. <laughs> wow. <laughs> unbeaten. Thanks I'm largely so- in part to I'm a spectacular so- save from David Marshall. I mean, it's it's not pretty football, but. It is the only way that we're going to qualify. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, how, it's how it's how Steve Clark has to play it. As he said after the match, it doesn't matter how we won this game; we won this game, yeah. which is very true. We're still going to get humped out by Serbia. Have you uh, have you ever considered becoming a spin doctor? Uh, that was some yes. solid spinning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I could do that. I'll just be the next Malcolm Tucker. For for context, for anyone listening, it is worth. Reading about Scottish football. Because it's rubbish. <laughs> well, you know, Scottish football is uh, it's it's an experience. We are used to disappointment. <laughs> we are used to disappointment in all realms of Scottish sport, really. Rugby is the area that we, we sort of, you know, go out of Occasionally do zone. well. Uh, yeah, maybe tennis uh, as well. Um, but everything else, it is not worth its, its weight in gold. Well, about we're cycling, used to, we're used to C- cycling. We're good. Glorious. That's true. <laughs> cycling, we're doing excellent. We're used to catching glorious defeat, <laughs> or snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> we also Which... do pretty well in um, alcohol and drug consumption. So that oh, is very do, true. We do excel. That is, a, that is very true. We are innovators in the <laughs> <laughs> innovators. You know. <laughs> Strong thinkers. Strong we're always thinkers. we're there first. Strong we are, thinkers, strong thinkers. We are, and I say this in all modesty, the greatest nation on earth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we're on we're impartial, so you can trust us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I believe that we also do quite well in swimming, but uh, I don't know how I don't know how swimming's going uh, during these peculiar times. Uh, I'm not sure that sharing a, a pool is particularly hygienic. Um, but the Scottish football, we were fo- I was following it through briefly on Twitter. Um, the relief on people's faces <laughs> and it the was... tweet. What is it? The never a doubt with the uh, the emoji, the laughing, crying emoji. I understand. It was we... stressful. 
the, we need the up thing for that the I found though. quite funny was um, when they were doing the sort of post-match interviews with some of the players. You know, they were all saying the same thing. They were all saying, you know, we wish, uh, you know, we wish the the Scottish fans, we wish the Tartan Army were here to to celebrate with us. But to scream abuse and time, pick up your performance. The first time the, first time the Tartan Army haven't been there in twenty two years is when they actually do well and <laughs> get close to qualifying for the tournament. Maybe That's maybe like, they're they're they've got stage fright. This is what it is. They just don't like playing in front of people, which I understand. I get I re- it. I reckon Scotland are gonna qualify for the World Cup in Qatar. There's no Ooh. way there's no. no way we are not qualifying for a tournament in a country where you're not allowed to drink and not allowed to swear. There's no way that Scotland are not qualified for that. You know, we nearly make our, our homeland look uh, welcoming, inviting, comfortable. Um, but I, as I've mentioned, do yourself a favour and give a wee Google to Scottish football if you've not. This is um, this is a big deal. I was watching Jamie Murray tweet about it um, and Nicola Sturgeon, of course. Um, I think it's been a welcome break to see something good come out of this. Um, whether that's, you know, their performance anxiety disappeared when there wasn't a crowd there and they managed to do something good for once. Well, you know, uh, D- Douglas Ross, leader of the Scottish Tories, he's a linesman, so we could get indeed. lucky and he could get drawn for the game <laughs> and just give us that edge, just a he, he was casual a, bit of match fixing. He was a linesman uh, last night in the England versus Wales yeah. match. He and is... there was a brilliant tweet from, <laughs> let me just find this <laughs> for a second. There was a brilliant tweet from Faisal Islam last night, who is uh, the economics editor for BBC. Mm. And he said he Douglas Ross has been named as a FIFA assistant and he was tweeting the fact that Ross is also down on the UEFA website as a linesman for Luxembourg versus Cyprus in the Nations League on Saturday. And the interesting part of that is Luxembourg is not on the exempt list from quarantine. So, maybe he'll need to quarantine when he comes back. See, uh, I have have particular beef with Douglas Ross. Uh, he is the MP for my home constituency. He is um, He is my MP for my home constituency as well. Mm, Stephen and I have beef with Douglas Ross. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if this was the case with you, but do you remember when he was elected? Um, he was voted in. And all of the jokes that would spread round about him was that he spent more time refereeing and as a linesman than he did in politics. He was a part-time politician when he was voted in. He spent more time doing his other work. He put out an excellent tweet today. He said, A constituent with a blue badge received a £60 fine after parking in what she believed to be a disabled bay, which was then increased to a a disproportionate £170 fine. I contacted Smart Parking, asking them to show compassion, and they reverted to the original £60. That's that's the most that's not... thing I've heard. <laughs> it is. It's like you're still get you're still getting a, a bill for sixty pounds for something that's not your fault, and you've got Douglas Ross chapping your door saying, you know, you're welcome. I've helped you out there. Nay, bother. I will be taking my check in the post. I'm off to help others. <laughs> it is. It is. He's got a D drawn on his shirt. It is 
on his website and there is a fantastic photograph of the woman with her fine <laughs> and her blue badge sitting in her car and him standing in front of the car and oh he looks he just looks so unnatural I mean, you can you can sit you can sit here and badmouth him, but he's he's trying to get the local economy started. He's bringing money back in to the council. He's getting he's getting all the angle they find. This is just airing your beef about Douglas Ross hour. Douglas Ross, honestly, he left the Liberal Democrats after after the coalition. He was voted into the Scottish Parliament. He oh, then he looks left. Like his... a Lib Dem. He left. He he then left the Scottish Parliament to then join the House of Commons. Now he wants to rejoin the Scottish Parliament as leader of Conservatives, and then is nonsense during coronavirus with that letter. And then he also had lots of other nonsense during coronavirus when he travelled back to Westminster. Um... And then he also, in that time, he claimed expenses for himself and many other members of his team for printers and it was mm. it was quite a sufficient amount of number uh, he, was money. Also, he was also uh, a linesman at a match at ibrox um on vj day um and didn't yes, bother attending vj you. celebrations that he was invited to I did. Uh, I don't know if anybody can remember. I did an article specifically on why MPs should not have another job, and Douglas Ross was a key example. I mean, <laughs> it's just a how badly some of them cock it up. I mean, it's. I mean, there's some I can agree with. Uh, I think it's a Labour MP. I can't remember off the top of my head. She's a nurse, and she does. I think it's about twelve hours a month in one day as being a nurse to keep her license. Now that's completely, I, I completely agree with that. So then she can continue being a nurse after she completes being an MP. But Douglas Ross has many, many times be, went to be a linesman and missed very important events that he should be at. Mm -hmm. And it, I really don't, that's the th that's the thing that I find funny about Douglas Ross because the whole the whole argument for um, why politicians shouldn't have a second job is because it interferes with the interests of it could interfere with the interests of their constituents or with the general public because they tend to go into you know lucrative banking jobs or investment mm -hmm. for like investment firms or big social media companies things like that and um, they could maybe vote certain ways that would be more profitable to them personally rather than reflecting what their constituents want. But the issue that people take with Douglas Ross having a second job is he's just not doing his job because he's officiating yeah. like <laughs> friendlies as a linesman. <laughs> That's you do, exactly you do, it. You do have to worry about Douglas Ross though because I mean he's clearly not right in the head if he thinks <laughs> that well that's maybe a bit strong for me. But you have to worry about him because he clearly likes the abuse. He's the leader of the Scottish Tories and he's a linesman in Scottish football. He's not, he's not <laughs> content with the amount of abuse that he's received, so he's decided to head up the Scottish Conservatives. Our Pretty Patel bashing hour is such a Douglas Ross bashing hour. Ah, uh, you know, um, equal opportunities, oh, no sexism. I'd, I'd rather complain about Douglas Ross any... 
day of the week compared to Pretty Patel. There was, a policy, there was some sort of uh, policy that uh, Pretty Patel would uh, put forward that was um, leaked oh to a newspaper, God. and it was yeah. the um, it was an it was an immigration policy, and essentially she wanted to find out whether or not it was possible to just put them on, on a boat island and move them out to sea and just leave them on an island. And uh, the, comments, this... the comments were just filled with people saying that Pretty Patel is essentially a pirate at this point because she, she is want, just going to see. She's going to see and just marooning people. Did she want to leave? Her. Did she want to leave them with a bottle of rum and a loaded pistol as well? Only, only I... one shot. This, on, honestly, this same situation reminds me of around about two hundred years ago when a certain government sent people who broke the law off to America, off to Australia, to the new world. Mm. And it's almost like a it's almost like a throwback to sort of getting rid of people but uh, people who broke the law but instead just getting rid of foreigners. Yeah. It's really, <laughs> absolutely it's a, a, like it's the truth. This is basically what she's doing. Here is the deal with me. So like nobody nobody will deny that I am a rampant socialist. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a big old lefty. Um, I believe the Americans would call me a commie. Um, so I'm pretty pro, you know, immigration. Uh, I don't see any issue with it. The fact that Pretty Patel, and this is what we consistently say, the fact that Pretty Patel has such an issue with it that she would ship immigrants to an island, a, a UK territory that doesn't really have anyone living on it at all, just to put them there. She wanted to see if that was viable. Yeah, and That's it's not obscene. like it's not like it's it's not like it's similar to being in the UK either. <laughs> it's not like there are any similar. It's like it's the difference between living here and living in the Caribbean, essentially. Yeah. It's like the Mitchell and Webb sketch where the politicians go, "Would our would all our problems be solved by killing all the poor?" <laughs> and they run it through the computer just hypothetically to see if they would. <laughs> I mean, the answer is probably yes, but the answer was yes in that sketch. <laughs> yeah, that was exactly the point. <laughs> but, you know, the, it it really does chalk up to like, are we just forgetting that people are human beings? Like, are are we are we just willingly choosing to forget that there are human beings there, and that it's not just immigrant? They they don't have immigrants stamped on their forehead. Um, you know, because their primary language is a different one to yours, or because their skin colour might be a different one to yours, are we just going to outlaw them? Like <laughs> like pirates? It is it's also, so It's also the, the, the points system as well. That, that I'm, not, I'm not sure if that's in place yet or if it's still sort of going through Parliament, but it just... It doesn't, it doesn't make any logical sense to me the way the point system works because if you have, if you have a firm offer of work, if you've been told by somebody that you have a job when you arrive, you know, you're going to be going into work, you're going to be paying taxes, you're going to be mm-hmm. contributing to the economy. That still does not earn you enough points to get in. Mm-hmm. Which just doesn't, that doesn't make any sense to me. And also the fact that you get a little, a little, um, what was it, two bonus points if you can speak English is just a bit... And now for the bonus ball. Can you speak English? 
<laughs> you're currently you're currently sitting on fifty five points. Now that guarantees you a council house in East London. But we're not going to give that to you just yet because we <laughs> want to carry on playing. Yeah, it's, it's it... sort of, it, it very much goes back to the controversy of when David Cameron introduced the point system for benefits. Like oh. he had so yeah. so many situations of you know people going onto the streets you know disabilities and they just weren't you know they were the essential people who should be getting the benefits and the council houses but they just weren't on the basis of mm-hmm. a point system which doesn't yep. work it is classism and racism and with that cheery note i believe we may have run out of time my friends <laughs> um take with it uh, take everything that we say with a wee pinch of salt but uh, I'd like to say thank you to everyone who chose to listen through to this um, like thank you for putting before, yourselves through that <laughs> um, we have all social medias, we've got Instagram we have Twitter um, and we have our website all of those are Radio Debrief Energy Debrief, give us a wee look um, thank you very much to Thomas for joining us Thanks for uh, having it me. was a pleasure to hear you rant um, thank you <laughs> Uh, and I know of a so, platform <laughs> <laughs> we've given you a voice um, and so I, I, I suppose what we'll do is we'll just say goodbye from myself Sarah Morton goodbye from me Alistair Russell goodbye from me Stephen Brown and it's goodbye from me Thomas McCann and we will see you again next week thank you <laughs>